This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, you're listening to Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we're here to answer your personal finance questions. Between your phone calls today, though, we're going to remember some of the best-selling Christmas toys from years past. You can always send an email to money at mpbonline.org, and sometimes we can't get to them on the air, but you'll always get a personal response from Nancy and or Ryder when you email money at mpbonline.org. So we start off each show by talking about financial news in the news. So, Nancy, what's on your mind? Oh, my goodness. We're all excited because it looks like interest rates are going down. Merry Christmas. Yes. And in fact, our mortgage rates have already declined. We were bumping up against 8% at one point. We're sitting around the 7% range. And we had announcements from the Federal Reserve that they are expecting to lower rates, maybe up to three times next year, which is kind of mind boggling. After this meteoric rise that we had seen, that will certainly create some activity in the housing market. It will also make it cheaper to buy all kinds of things. And um, we even saw housing starts this morning. That number was excellent. So that will breathe some life into our housing market. We have got to be building houses, folks. Where are people going to live? They got to live somewhere. So a question about that. So if you have an adjustable rate credit card, uh, adjustable interest rate on your credit card. Because they all are. Mm, But usually they're based on the the prime plus whatever. Mm-hmm. So if the Fed lowers them, yours is going to go down at least by some percent. Possibly. Possibly. Now, it depends on their policy, um, and they should be alerting you if they do have a change in rates. It should be uh, something that you know, even though most people have no idea what they're paying as far as the interest rate on their credit cards. But credit cards are variable rate cards. And so, as you mentioned, it's going to be um, adjusted according to some standard, mm-hmm. and um, they don't like to go down, though, you know? And they can be a little slow on making those adjustments. Yeah. And again, so they meet each quarter. So during 2024, they would have, what, four, three, four times, three times? Well, and, and they could have— Oh, um, the, the Fed meets, like, it's It's uh, more than every, that. I thought it was, like, th- eight— there are a lot of meetings, and they can, of course, have any sort of emergency meetings. But they have a regular meeting, I believe, every two months. So, and they don't necessarily do something at right. Those you know, that gives just, them opportunity. They're not obligated. They to. could just like chit chat and you know have a good time. And they don't like to surprise us investors, Wall Street. Um, So before they make a move in interest rates, just like they did with this meeting, they said, we probably are going to lower rates Mm -hmm. sometime next year. Um, They're going to telegraph that. They're going to let us know what the plan is. Right. But at the same time, they're not saying, oh, exactly, this is what we're going to do next year. Right. They're like, "Mm, things are looking okay. We might do this or this. 
Throughout the hour, we're going to go back, I think, to 1900 and kind of remember some of the popular uh, toys for Christmas. And so if you have a... Was it a stick? Just a stick? <laughs> Pretty close, actually. Oh. Um, so, you know, if you have a favorite toy that you'd like to call up and share about, uh, give us a call. You know, we're always here ready for the the important stuff of financial management. We're, we're trying to make it a little bit light and have some holiday merriment uh, as Christmas is rapidly approaching. So, uh, Ryder, what's on your mind in terms of the news this week? Yeah, so uh, interesting story in the past couple of days uh, was that the uh, company, uh, most people know it as an app, Uber, uh, joined the S&P 500. So we talk all the time about the S&P 500. It's essentially just a list of the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the U.S. Nancy always likes to point out how many companies are in the S&P um, it 500. Well, it was at 1.502. I'm not sure exactly how many it is now, but we use the nice round 500. It doesn't have to be exactly 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Google has two share classes on there, so they're, they're on there twice. So I don't know how that works. Um, but Uber is a very large company at this point. They... Obviously, most people access it through the app to you know get a get a ride, but equivalent of a taxi ride. Uh, they do a lot of kind of meal delivery, uh, so you have Uber Eats where you can order from a restaurant. They'll pick it up and bring it to you uh, if you just just cannot get out of the house today. So, how do they get added to the S and P five hundred? So, because that's a big deal when you get you, added. So you think everybody has to buy them? Oh, right? this is just a list of the five hundred largest companies. Surely, once you're pretty big, you're going to get on the list, right? No, actually, because they're really big. They're $127 billion. They're like 10 times the size of some of the smallest companies on there. Um, but S&P 500, it, the list is maintained by a committee. The committee meets and they have a few criteria. You have to be a certain size. You have to have a couple of profitability metrics, which is one of the reasons Tesla took a long time to join several years ago. We talked about that one. That one was a big deal because it was so big at the time. Um, and, and so the committee meets. They decide, okay, yes, you deserve to be on there. We think you're going to stay above there. They don't want to pick someone who's just a little bit bigger and then tomorrow is going to lose some market value. So do they ever kick anybody out? Oh, they absolutely got to kick someone out. If you're going to maintain this list, you whoever's at the bottom of the pile, they get kicked out. <laughs> um, and, and actually people can, place companies can stay on there maybe a little longer than they should. But again, it's a committee. They don't want to, they don't want to change things so fast. They don't want to change things all the time because again, a lot of people are looking at this list as, okay, this is my benchmark. Uh, a lot of passive funds are just buying that entire list so we can't just be making changes all the time they kind of feel they have a responsibility to maintain some stability there but if um all of those passive funds have to buy what's in the index that means they're going to sell the guy that gets kicked off and they're going to buy the one that's that's been added so the one that gets added to the s&p 500 automatically gets a price boost Pretty much. That is pretty much the expectation. And also, because people kind of get a good idea of who's going to be added and who's going to be kicked off, it's not, you know, it's not a big secret about this stuff, then there are a lot of funds who will kind of buy up as as they expect all of these passive funds. And there's billions and billions, I'm not quite sure the amount, maybe a trillion dollar passively following the S&P 500. So that is money that just has to go by Uber. Of course, some of that will just shift from other funds. Some of that will be accompanied by selling from other funds as well, because of course, maybe it's not in a mid-cap index anymore. Maybe it's left one index and joined another. So, But there will be a lot of money buying it. There will be a lot of money selling those other ones. So it does create some price 
uh, activity, you know, kind of weeks before and after. And another index you hear about on the news all the time, even though we think the S&P 500 is a better one to watch because it is so many companies, but that's the Dow Jones Mm. 30. And that's only 30 companies. And when that was first um, introduced, um, what? Early 1900s. A long time ago. A long time ago. um, Those 30 companies are not even around any longer. Most of them are not. So there always have changes depending on what is happening in our economy and technological changes and how those different indexes are formed. Yeah, that one is much more a group of folks in a room just trying to – eyeball what the American economy looks like and saying, oh, I think this company is pretty representative of it. Uh, But that's just much more controlled in that sense. So Lyft is still a thing, I believe, is it not? I believe so. So I'm curious as to this kind of reminds me maybe of um, Sirius and XM that at one point were competitors and eventually merged together Mm -hmm. with would that do you think ever happen? Uh, because obviously, if Uber's on the you know the list and Lyft is not, may, I would think Uber's maybe a little bigger than the other one. Right. I mean, it's an indication that they are bigger. They are viewed as having more staying power, and they are. I mean, they are bigger and they have more staying power. I don't have Lyft pulled up right now, but uh, yes, I, you could potentially have a case of you know years down the line when. They merge or one of them goes out of business because it is, I mean, it's been a difficult area to operate in. Uh, You know, it was got big and popular years ago, right after the financial crisis, when it was was kind of a lot easier to find people willing to do part time work and gig work for very little money. And, And that's just a lot harder to do with wages and benefits rising and people kind of expect a little more. And, um, but, and bear it's, in mind, it's working right now. Those gig jobs, those part-time jobs, like being an Uber driver or Uber delivery person, um, they don't have benefits. You mm-hmm. are self-employed. You've got to provide your own health insurance. You've got to set up your own retirement plan. Um, and if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. So just comparing them real quick, Uber versus Lyft. Uber is, uh, let's see, thirty-six billion in sales versus Lyft having less than five. Uh, sorry, yeah, just over four billion in sales. So, yeah, um, Uber is nine times the size. Uh, so, it's significant. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Ryder and Nancy are here to answer personal finance questions this morning, but today we're also remembering some of the best-selling Christmas toys from years past, and we'll offer a couple of financial management tips to round out your year, including a couple that I came up with as well. So uh, obviously anything I say needs to be vetted by our experts here, but after hosting this show for a number of years, I think some things have gotten through uh, my thick skull. So uh, let's start out. I'll start out with my first tip, and that is... Pay on time. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, it's a personal. Um, we've approved. We've approved <laughs> your advice. Two thumbs and up. why? Why would you? Why is that important? Uh, well, it's. I think we've discussed. It's like thirty percent of yeah. your credit uh, score, and also they charge money when you don't send the money in on time. That's so you're right, just making do. more. Um, 
And I think in my case, even when I was had some credit card debt that I was trying to manage, I think that my credit score remained pretty good because I was very diligent about always paying on time. In fact, the I guess I might have told this story before, but it's kind of embarrassing. But as a young college guy, I had gotten a store credit card from McRae's, which again shows you how old that was. Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> and thought, you know, hey, you pay credit card if you can. If not, you don't have to pay on it. So I was going to buy a pair of sneakers, pulled out my card. It got declined. And Uh-oh. I'm like, it's because you haven't paid in a while. And I'm like, oh, that's how that works. So it was an embarrassing way to learn. But, yeah, you know, pay on time. Uh, and I think that you'll, you know, and that, that can help you encourage other good financial practices as well. So, uh, Ryder, what's one that you have? So mine is all about planning ahead, and it's planning to make a plan to prioritize your next dollar. And so this, I think about this a lot with folks who earn, maybe they have a year in bonus, or maybe you have, uh, your income is just lumpy, maybe you're self-employed, you're not just that consistent payment. It's so important to know, okay, when I get my next X dollars, what am I going to do with it? And so you know, that starts with, okay, is my emergency fund where it needs to be? Have I paid down my, my consumer debts to where they need to be? Zero. Uh, am I saving what I need to save in my retirement account? Am I saving for my other goals? That's kind of an order of priority for most people. And so knowing, going ahead and having a plan. When I get my year-end bonus, when I get my raise, I'm going to do this, this, and this. It takes out the guesswork. You don't just think, uh, well, maybe I'll go spend the first and then decide what to do. Nope, 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 nope. It, go, go ahead, have a plan for it, have a priority for that next dollar. I like that because uh, when you plan ahead, that takes all the anxiousness out of it. And then, like I say, when as soon as you get it, you, you know what you're going to do and, and you can do that. Absolutely. One thing that I'll say uh, before um, we get into specific things is that uh, as a kid, and I remember, and I think you might all have been in top of this before we came on the air, but the uh, the Sears catalog was always a big oh, deal loved in our yeah. house because you could, I mean, it was like thicker than a phone book. <laughs> Here I've dated myself yeah, twice now, already. Yeah, now a phone book? What's a phone book? <laughs> it's the Sears catalog, huh? Yeah, it's like a phone book, huh? <laughs> but anyway, uh, that was always fun. You know, when it, you got, it came in the mail, we got it, you would pick through there and, you know, oh, I want this and I want this and that sort of thing. So now, Ryder, uh, again, I think Nancy and I are similar. It, 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 are you too young to remember this, the Sears catalog? Uh, I am too young to okay. remember the Sears oh, catalog. Oh, he's too young to remember most do, things. Yeah. Yes. Do you I do. remember phone books? Uh, yes, okay. I remember phone books. Yeah, it used to be they just it, this big old, they, this they big put, old stack just appeared <laughs> on your front door. It well, they used to put them in his chair so he could get up to the table. Oh, yeah, we definitely did. Definitely did. I actually no. I, I have a need for a phone book or two every now and then. I'm like, oh, well, you want to sit in the chair? Well, could, well, I don't have a big thick book anymore like that. It's not. So they could deliver a couple every now and then. I think. All right, uh, we'll go back to 1900, and the, and uh, this was interesting too because uh, it's a, a site that I got that's a couple years old because they kind of petered out uh, in the late uh, teen, two 2010s. I think 2019 was the last one I had. Uh, but uh, in the 1900s. A rocking horse was one of the big gifts. Oh, yeah. But, you know, um, if you were a well-to-do family, you had that. Or if... Um, you had a broomstick in my day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and we were happy about it, too. <laughs> the, the other thing I like about the website I found was they gave the modern-day equivalent. So this year, if you were to get your child a rocking horse... The Happy Trails Plus, plus rocking, rocking Horse. Yes. How much? 
So this is the equivalent to today's dollars. It would be seventy dollars because I hit that in the inflation calculator, and that would be a really expensive rocking horse. I think it means that it's the horse that in today's dollars. Is in today's $70. dollars, that would be seventy dollars. Right. So that's not. I mean, we're probably buying some seventy dollars <laughs> gifts out there. So that's that's not. That's not that bad. Also, I, this shows I you how time marches on. It went from a rocking horse to a Happy Trails plush rocking horse. So I, That's marketing probably, for you. Probably yeah. some extra padding uh, on there Does as the well. Does the horse talk? Probably not. It should. See, back in the day, we had our imagination <laughs> <laughs> because we didn't have talking wow. horses. <laughs> Okay, I will continue to date myself. We had dolls that could wet. <laughs> I don't think saying I had an imagination when I was a child is dating yourself. I These think, kids today don't have an imagination. I think, I think we can say that on air. By the way, we're having a little bit of fun this morning, but uh, still Too looking, much, some might say. <laughs> still looking for your personal finance questions. Also from the 1900s, and this, I guess, uh, seemed to be prob- probably very trendy at the time, a die-cast Model T Ford. And I think uh, weren't was that was probably about the time that they they were come out as the big the ones. Yeah, that around. you were from the rich family if you got one of those. Let right. me tell you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the diecast Model T was probably more affordable than the 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 full size. Well, I yes, the other one. I agree. But still, <laughs> I think it's. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting because you know, model cars and toy cars that that's just such a classic thing, and they have been around since cars first came around. But so. lead paint. Lead paint. Well, so that true. is probably a difference. There's probably less lead paint. Well, I would hope there's less lead paint. Yes, we do. Hope. Uh, so that's good. Today you get a model a Ford Model T automobile uh, for $13. So that seems very reasonable. The whole automobile? That, well, probably so. But I wonder how big it is. You know, it's the uh, toy cars come in, in various sizes and things. That's so. true. A little Hot Wheels size of probably $13. Actually, $13 Hot Wheels is going to be a little expensive, yeah. I think. <laughs> We have got um, – uh, not yet. We're going to get a call on in just a minute. So, Nancy, we uh, it's your turn. We're looking for uh, ma- financial management tips as we end the year. So Ryder gave his and I gave mine. What do you have for us? Well, connected to what Ryder said, planning, um, I say make your savings automatic. Mm. And, you know, we're human beings and we don't like to – do things, but once you do it, once you make it automatic, and that means looking at your 401k, it automatically comes out of your paycheck. If you got a raise this year, which a lot of people did, mm-hmm. then go ahead and at least split that raise with your pocket and your 401k. So you're adding to your 401k a little bit more than you did this year. Um, and then even your savings account, if you have uh, some companies allow you to do uh, deductions from your payroll to go into a credit union account. Um, Otherwise, you can set it up at your bank, but make it automatic. So when it happens automatically, then you think twice about, well, I don't have enough money in my account to buy that thing. I'd have to move it over from my savings account. And most of the time you don't, because again, we don't like to do things. And so we will leave it alone. And that instinct works in our favor. And I think once you start that and let it pile up there for a while, you'll you'll be surprised at how quickly uh, it multiplies. Um, and then it's, it gives you a good feeling knowing that you're building something uh, for maybe an emergency fund or sort of some sort of future financial goal. So that is a good one. A saving is always important and something we talk a lot about here on the show. The last one, well, no, another one from the 1900s, Crayola Crayons. 
So uh, I remember when I was a That's kid, a classic. the big thing was to get the one that had the pen, the crayon sharpener in the I box. I never got that. I never got that. I wow. never got that 64 box. <laughs> mm. I would go to school mm. and that little girl at the end of the aisle had that <laughs> box you had of to walk, 64. And you had to walk uphill to get to that school. <laughs> I did. I, mean, huh. I had like eight, maybe 16 if I was lucky. Well, if you're walking uphill, you got to pack light. So maybe that makes sense. <sighs> well, I always say, you know, that to me, colors boil down to the eight basic crayons, you know, like cyan. Yeah, but it had that magenta. sharpener in the oh, back. Oh, I know. I agree. I was mm, the same way. Yeah. I, I, I'm like you. I think I might have gotten the 16, but I never got the. And then there was one was like 100 and something or other. And that's, you know, blue, green and green, blue. Now tell me what the difference to that is, you know. Here's the thing. They all ended up in the plastic bin You're in right. the back of the You're classroom because right. those boxes did not last long with daily use or not even daily use. So just a big old bucket in the back of the classroom and everyone had access to the 10,000 crayon pack there. Half of crayons. Half, half, half of crayons. crayons. They were broken yeah. and the paper ripped well, off. The paper was off, yeah. yeah. And then who knows what the difference between blue, green and green, blue is. Only the true artist in the classroom. That's right. See, and I'm not so sure that that uh, sharpener worked very well anyway. So because I never got one, I'm sticking to the belief that it was there probably not, not working very there well. There you go. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both charter financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. As always, we're here to answer your personal finance questions this morning. Also, as Christmas draws near, we're having a little fun, and we've been talking about some of the uh, uh, favorite Christmas gifts from years past. So if you have one, uh, you could call up and give us your story as well. We do have a caller on the line. Off to Mantachi we go. Tom has called in today. Good morning, Tom. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Well, good morning. This is a financial question. Okay. Let's suppose somebody had $10,000 that they wanted to, you know, make some money off of. I have a bank that uh, will give me 5.24% on a CD, and uh, the shortest length of time on it is nine months. I think it's a really good idea. What do you guys think? If if that's what you want, that's that's a great that's a great rate on a CD. I will point out with the CD. So a lot of times people are investing in CDs because they're just a conservative investor and they're going to want to keep investing in CDs. And one concern I have with this, you point out that it's nine months, and we were just talking. The Fed has said they haven't said they're going to lower rates, but the general expectation is rates are going to be flat to lower. Uh, and when you look at CDs. It's those short, those six and nine months have real attractive above 5% rates. The longer term ones, kind of three, four, five years out, it's really hard to find things above four. So the question is, if I buy that nine-month CD... And then when it matures, what's going to be available for me to reinvest in? Am I going to be able to get another 5% CD? The market is not saying yes. Banks are not saying that that's going to be possible right now. Uh, so you just have to think about what truly am I trying to do with this money? If I want to, if I have $10,000 right now, and I want $10,525 in exactly nine months, boy, you couldn't find a more perfect instrument. But if you want it to grow over the long term, then you might want to be taking more risk. If you have shorter term needs for it, you don't want to lock it up for nine months. So that's a real long, boy, does it depend. But I will say that's a very good rate for a nine-month CD right now. Don't 
just in isolation, that's a really good rate. Yeah, I was going to say that's the best rate that I've been able to find, mm-hmm. and that bank has it going until, you know, the, the last day of this month. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I won't need the money for nine months, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen between now and then. But, you know, I know that I can put $10,000 away for nine months, and it wouldn't hurt me a single bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, as long because because again, these rates, uh, banks will kind of use these rates almost as marketing. Um, uh, they're called teaser rates. Yeah, so they're trying to draw you in. Certainly, that doesn't mean it's about. Again, this is a very good rate, but the biggest disconnect I see is is folks just not thinking about what the money is really for. So somebody, you know, say somebody's in their fifties and they're saving for retirement, and they're just like, oh, well, this bank offers. A really good rate. Yes, that's in nine months. You're not going to retire for another 20 years. You need a much longer term instrument. That's why we think you should probably be investing some in stocks and longer term bonds for a longer term time horizon. But again, in isolation, is this a good CD rate? That's a fantastic CD rate. Um, What do you need the money for? What is it really truly for? I, I, I don't know. I can't tell that. I understand. Well, I appreciate your, uh, you know, your uh, thoughts on that, and uh, everybody have themselves a merry Christmas. Thanks, oh, yeah, you too, Tom. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Very good, Tom. Thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your personal finance question this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to money at mpbonline dot org. Usually, when you do email the show, we'll send you a personal response off air. Uh, so we got another caller on the line. Kim has called in today from Grenada. Good morning, Kim. It's your turn. So go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my mom passed away about five days ago. Oh, I am so, so sorry. sorry to hear that, Kim. Oh, that's, it's a, I thank you so much. But I have been contacted by my brother saying that him and I are beneficiaries of an IRA mm-hmm. that we are splitting. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about IRAs. I'm, I'm I don't know anything about investing or retirement or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting a call within the next couple of days from an agent from Edward Jones. Right. But I'm wondering what should I, because that was the person that my mom used, what should I be looking for to do with this little bit of money that uh, I'm receiving as an IRA? Well, first of all, um, with this IRA that you're a beneficiary on, you're going to have to open a beneficiary IRA. And the beneficiary IRA will have your name on it and will have your mom's name on it. Your brother will have to do the same, and then they will split the account, and that will be moved over. Once it gets moved over, you have some choices, but then there are also some rules. And the rule is within 10 years – You have to have drained that IRA because it has never been taxed. And once that money comes out of the IRA, you will declare it on your income tax. Whatever comes out, $10, that's an extra $10 you pay income tax on. But you're going to have to gradually, over that 10 years, pull that money out. Now, you could pull it all out on the front end if you want to, but you're going to have to consider what kind of tax am I creating when I pull that money out. If it is a smaller amount, sometimes people just go ahead and take it and do what they want to with it. But again, 
You have to pay tax on it. And most people, when they take a distribution from a beneficiary IRA, they will ask for some tax to be withheld. So you're not surprised when it's time to file your tax return. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. The agent should be able to explain to you how you need to take the money out. So that 10-year rule, plus he may be able to explain if your mother was taking required distributions, that there may be some required amounts that you have to take in the intervening nine years also. Um, But for yourself to kind of figure out what is the best way for me to do this, then you think about your own tax situation and what you expect that to be over the next 10 years. Because again, you have this 10-year window. If, for instance, you're in a higher tax bracket than you expect to be in the future. Maybe you're in a 22% tax bracket and you expect in a few years you're going to stop working and you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, then it may make sense to delay as much as possible. Again, there will be some required minimums potentially, but delay large withdrawals until later on when you're in a lower tax bracket. So thinking about your own income and income tax situation is going to be kind of how you do it. Again, it's a 10-year time horizon to get all that money out. So it's not like most people can afford to really be too aggressive with that. You're probably going to want to have fairly conservative. There's going to be a decent amount in cash preparing for withdrawals next year. And there's going to be a decent amount of fixed income, just earning you some interest uh, while you wait to withdraw. So Kim, just to recap here, that Edward Jones um, representative should be able to open a beneficiary IRA account for you. Once that person has a death certificate, they will honor the beneficiaries that your mom set up and go ahead and split the account. And then just um, check with whoever helps you with your taxes. Okay. All right. Thank you very, very much. That was great, great advice. Good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Merry Christmas. You Merry too. Christmas, Kim. Day. Thank you for the call. Thank you. We had a caller that could not stay on the line but was asking, I believe, about gap insurance for a car. I looked it up, and according to Forbes, it says if you have collision or comprehensive coverage, your car insurance will pay the value of your car in a total loss settlement, not what you owe on a car loan or lease. But if you owe more on your car than it's worth, Gap insurance helps bridge the gap. And I believe the caller was just asking about thoughts about purchasing gap insurance. Right or well, okay. oh, I would just say my, my big red flag here is to owe more on a car than it's worth. <laughs> that's what that, really worries me. That's not that uncommon because the depreciation of cars. If you yeah, borrow $20,000 to buy a new car, then it is probably worth $15,000 moments later. It is it is is actually in the in the car world it is very common to to have more especially for a new car. But your insurance if you do have a loan on your car, you're probably required to have some minimum insurance coverage. So that's what I would think. Your first start is check with your insurance agent to make sure to see if that is actually a need of yours. And this is, I mean, all insurance is, you know, just in case, but this one seems even more, I mean, well, even a safe driver can have an accident. That's a real specific, yeah. And then, I mean, car loans have gotten longer these days, but, you know, if you have, say, a five, if you're few years into a five-year loan, then you don't have that much longer that you need, and it may not be that significant of a loan. But back to Nancy's point, yes, owing a lot on a car, not yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Owing more on a car than it's worth, it's not a great idea. It just, it just does happen a lot. Well, I would just consider 
making sure you have more to put down so you don't get caught. Mm. And also, I would say, too, if you have a new car, just be very careful when driving it, because I think you're right. Well, Robert, but, you know, there well, are other people there are other on other the road, and I've encountered that, that the, recently. It's the other people I'm worried about, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> Well, if they have insurance, they should bathe them up. But yeah, here's good the luck thing. with that. The ones that are crashing into you are not the ones that have insurance. <laughs> I mean, that's I was, was speaking with uh, speaking with somebody just the other day, and and one just kind of did, going through some 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 tragic things that happened to her this this past year. There was she was in a four car wreck. Two of the drivers who caused the wreck did not have insurance. Her car was pushed forward into somebody else's car. So she owed that person, but the people who owed her were simply unable to pay because they weren't good enough drivers to get insurance, even though it's legally required. We had our insurance commissioner on here just weeks ago. (sighs) True. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, uh, we want to finish up, or I want to finish up the 1900s. We've got a list of some of the popular Christmas toys from years past. So in the 1900s, you could get a rocking horse, a die-cast Model T Ford, crayons, or a spinning top. I don't think I ever had one, but I remember it had the little thing at the top that you would pump up and down and it would spin that. Uh, actually, I what I liked as a kid was something a little more sp- sophisticated, but a similar process, well, and that sophisticated was sophisticated <laughs> gift, Kevin. A gyroscope. Oh, oh those yeah. were so, oh, See, that's so cool. That, yeah, so, yeah. Now, now, how about one of those little tubes where you look through and oh, you, the, the kaleidoscope? kaleidoscope. Yes, yeah, yes. Actually, my realtor bought me a little tiny kaleidoscope when I bought my house. Though I still have that. So, oh, that's cute. <laughs> You can get a 36-piece spin top this, these days for only $6. So that's a, that's a cheap one. So Because if that kid opened that package, they'd be like, what? Really? <laughs> You'd have to tell them how to use it. it, it does, Where's like, my what video game? <laughs> does this plug into a USB? Actually, this is another quick thing, but the everyone knows what an Etch-A-Sketch is, I hope, right? That's I another do. Classic everyone toy. knows. <laughs> In Target, the Etch-A-Sketch has been shrunk down to almost you know one quarter of its size. You can put them on a key. I've seen Etch-A-Sketches on keychains. <laughs> the package says, no Wi-Fi needed. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Fantastic. I love, I love well, it. Well, we got my granddaughter a light bright just because oh, wow. my oh, wow. husband spotted it and was like, light bright. Yeah. Now, we're not sure she's going to be so excited. The, the, the toys are more more fun for the givers than the I was, givers. I was going to say, a lot of times gifts are for the person giving it. We're pleased you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. In the meantime, we've been sharing some personal finance tips, and I had one. I will actually add another one. And Nancy, I credit you for this one, but it is don't ignore your debt. Oh, yes. Because it's not going to go away. Right. Well, that's true. I, I, I well, learned. we did meet with On the bankruptcy own. attorney and, and, and he's got it. That's he, true. That's true. He can help. He, he's got a, he's got a method. But again, personal experience, you know, it builds up. And if you just, you know, oh, I just don't think about it. You don't have to worry about it. But then when you finally do look up and, you know, especially if you if you have more than one, if you, you know, give you the whole amount. It can be a real eye opener. In my case, it helped me decide that, hey, stop playing around, make a serious effort about, you know, reversing your personal finance trends. And uh, and it certainly helped out in my case. But again, Nancy, I, from being on the show, that's one I definitely credit to you because that's one of the things that oh, you've said Thanks. many times. So um, let's see. Let's get a call in. Daniel has called in from Tupelo this morning. Go ahead, Daniel. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. 
yes, sir. Thank you. Thank, thanks for taking my call. I got a question about non-revocable trusts. Uh, we're looking at one for uh, both my parents and myself personally. And uh, the taxation part of this, when, when you put everything into that trust, is it taxed at your current rate? <laughs> you, you don't get a tax break. You don't get a tax break with... Well, with, he okay. said a non-revocable. He said non-revocable. Well, I won't hear the rest of his question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, okay, Dan, you weren't excited. We're not. We're not working. I'm not looking for a tax break. I'm looking for asset protection. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, in my in my parents' case, because they're in their late eighties and uh, they have you know, they have like a CD, like the first caller said, they have invested CDs mm-hmm. the whole life and they don't have long term insurance that type of stuff. Me personally, I'm I'm almost sixty, so I'm looking at it as uh, I take care of my grandkids and that kind of, that type of things, you know, because they're not really quite old enough yet to make mm-hmm. decisions. I want to take care of their college and that that, that type of thing. So it's not really it's not really a, uh, I'm not looking for tax break. I'm 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 not, I'm not happy with tax code, that's for sure. And I wish we could do better, but I'm I'm looking. I'm asking the question about what is it, say say the whole amount of my uh, CD, I'm not a CD. If the whole amount of my estate is X dollars, say it's a hundred thousand, say it's a million, whatever that is, mm-hmm. what is my tax rate on that at the time I put it in that trust? Okay, so trusts and estates have far worse tax brackets than a regular living, breathing human being. You mentioned specifically this is a non-revocable trust. So this is kind of you put things in it and that's it. You can't take it out. A lot of people do what's called like a a, a, a revocable trust, a revocable trust or a living trust where it's just it's just kind of like it's all their stuff and they just kind of have some rules around it. When they die, it becomes non-revocable. But with a non-revocable one, you have actually the same tax rates as a normal human being, but the brackets are all super low. Like the first bracket's at like $4,000 and the top bracket's at like $12,000 of income. There are some way, again, if you're looking at a non-revocable trust while you're, you know, right now, uh, you know, this is usually something with larger estates and uh, more uh, detailed tax planning. There are ways to put in a clause where you can uh, trade assets or cash for assets or cash or income within the trust. So essentially, say the trust generates $10,000 of income. You say, oh, I'm going to swap this you know money I have for the income it has, and that basically moves the income to your uh, tax report. Uh, we're getting super bogged down in the details here. Well, I don't think you have a tax event when you put it no, in you, the trust. it's not a tax event to put it's it in. It's only when the trust generates interest, mm-hmm. dividends, capital gains, mm-hmm. that it gets taxed at that higher rate. And that's what you're going to run into. And doing a trust, whether it is revocable or non-revocable, is expensive. You've got mm-hmm. to have a special legal document. Um, if you're talking about a non-revocable trust. There's going to be annual maintenance. There's annual maintenance. You may have to pay a professional trustee. Um, I just think there are other ways for you to do what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I'd want to 
I'd want to hear a lot more details that we simply don't have time for on the radio. Like, what exactly you're trying to... I mean, you, you listed asset protection. We could sit down and look at what all those assets are and what we're trying to protect them from. Um, you, you know, does there... Are we worried about insurance liability from maybe homeowners? You know, we can look at it, uh, your uh, liability coverage there. Is it... A lot of people want to do... You're thinking about older parents. You're, you're doing uh, Medicaid plans. Planning. So we want to, a lot of people try to shift assets out of their name. So maybe they'll be eligible for Medicaid. Although you mentioned long-term care insurance. I that, thought he said they didn't oh, have if they it. don't have long-term care insurance, that might be important, but it could just be those last few years are when they spend down their money. Or it could be that they have so much money that they're not going to have to worry about the cost. Um, but at any rate, they're already 80, you have a look back on Medicaid. Uh, you talked about college planning for grandchildren. There's 529 plans that actually offer you a tax break for putting money in and offer tax-free uh, growth on that if that's used for college. Um, you can also set up a trust in your will. Again, kind of depending on estate size and complexity, that may make sense. But for a lot of people, you can accomplish this just with gifting to people with having a good will, a good space will, um, and of course having good will with your beneficiaries. I guess that does matter. So there's a lot of tools you probably already have that meet a lot of those needs, but uh, I'd want to hear more about the complexity level uh, before saying, yeah, absolutely, a non-revocable trust might be the way to go. Daniel, have you already visited with an attorney? Is that how you ended up coming up with this idea that this is what you needed? Uh, yes, that, that, that's correct. I took a lot of course. I listened to a lot, a lot of stuff. And, uh, and of course, the attorney we met with was eventually about my parents, not me personally. Mm-hmm. They're in the 90s. You know, so oh, they're in no. the life, you know. And, and so uh, we got longevity in my family. I'm blessed with the Lord willing. I'm, I don't know if I'll make that long or not, but, you know, we, we have. My, my granddaddy was born 1855. Mm-hmm. My, my great granddad, my granddad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know that that type of stuff you, you look at. He's getting they're getting now where they're starting to have a little cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's important. You know, to take care of that. Uh, me personally, uh, my kids are self sufficient. They 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 are they moved off. They're, they've got good uh, jobs and, and they're okay. So. Hey, uh, Daniel, we're, we're, we're slap out of time. Daniel, what I would what I would recommend that you do to dive deeper into this, send an email to money at mpbonline.org, and then uh, Ryder and Nancy can get into the details with you and give you a little bit more specific information. And James was on the line with a question. James, again, if you have email access, money at mpbonline.org, and we'll answer your questions for you. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio, and happy holidays to all MPB listeners. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.